Hi, everybody. Welcome. My guest today is the beloved and esteemed Kirtan artist, Krishna Das. This is one of the most personal interviews I've ever conducted and on topics so near and dear to my heart, music, sound, and the power of devotion. Really, as a classical pianist, it's so rare that I have the opportunity to talk about my music. KD and I share several recordings of our music and a number of stories about our respective paths. I have to say, devotion has been the single most important aspect of my own spiritual journey, and music has been in my life for decades. To talk about these two greatest passions with someone like KD is a real honor. Welcome, everybody. Andrew Halachek here to our ongoing nightclub interview series, where uh, I often say we have really remarkable guests, and I really do mean it. But today we have a really special guest. Um, personally, this is a very special thing for me. I'm very excited to spend the next um, few minutes or so with the legendary Krishna Das. And so I wanted to do the usual introduction, and then we'll start right up. And what will make this session particularly unique is we're going to have some musical offerings. Um, KD will be sharing some things. I'm, I'm actually going to offer a musical offering, um, a recording of one of mine, and then we're just going to cover a rich array of material. So uh, about Krishna Das, a.k.a. KD, uh, layering traditional kirtan with instantly accessible melodies and modern instrumentation, Krishna Das has been called yoga's rock star. With a remarkably soulful voice that touches the deepest chord and even the most casual listeners, Krishna Das, known to friends and family as simply as KD, has taken the call and response chanting out of yoga centers and into concert halls, becoming a worldwide icon and the best-selling Western chant artist of all time. I could go on and on. He's, he's absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> and I have to share, KD, first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and your busy life to spend time with us. I, I, for one, have been looking forward to this for a really long time because music has been a monstrous part of my life. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Oh, I, uh, I, oh, go ahead. I like the legendary part. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? I'm a legend in my own mind anyway. That much I can tell you. It, it, that, exactly. But I, I have to share with our, our listeners that this is a particularly... Um, uh, nice event for me because uh, I am a musician by training. My my first degree is actually in classical piano performance. I was an aspiring concert pianist. And so music has been just a colossal influence on my life and, and it continues to be so. And so to actually have uh, my first real guest that we've had since we started this um, with, with someone like KD is just so special. But I have to share with you all that uh, I was really taken with um, his genius a couple of years ago, I was teaching a program in Kripalu and it was doing a dream yoga event. And the absolute highlight of this weekend was he offered a, a concert on Saturday night, a, a full Kirtan event. And I, I have to say, Katie, it was, it was just such an impressive event. I, I felt at the end, and we'll be talking a little bit more about this, like my, I had taken a two hour bath with mm -hmm. my subtle body, I, I, I just kind of floated out of that arena. And I, I want to get into some of the kind of 
technicalities or phenomenology of that experience. But, but mostly I want to talk about um, just the extraordinary power of sound and the role of, of music on the path. Um, and so with that in mind, maybe you can start by, by telling us um, two things. One, a little bit about what exactly is Kirtan, um, and then obviously we'll be listening to it. Um, but most importantly, how, how did the role of music really come to um, consume you in this most beautiful way? Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, kirtan is a is a uh, a mantric practice, uh, very similar to any other type of uh, mantra repetition in any of the other religious traditions. So this one is essentially Indian. Uh, essentially, what I do is pretty much from the Hindu tradition, although I have to say I'm not a Hindu in any way. I haven't been initiated in any, any particular uh, lineage or anything like that, uh, officially. Um, <clears throat> so, um, the, the practice that I do is, in India is called the repetition of the divine names, or the names of God. And uh, it's a particular, it's not, those, these are mantras, specifically what they call the name. There are mantras for everything, you know, there are mantras for finding buried treasure, there's mantras for making people fall in love with you, there's mantras to become president of the United States, you know, all kinds of mantras. But these mantras, the name, is really only good for one thing, which is the one thing, which is f moving you more deeply into your true nature, into your essence, into the the presence within, so to speak. Uh, and all these names are the names of that place within us. And when I heard this being done in India just by chance, you know, when I first went there, I immediately uh, understood with every molecule of my being that this was for me. I could do this, that I could really give myself to this. <clears throat> You know, I was brutally aware of not really being able to give myself fully to what I was doing in life in general. And I was, without realizing it, I was looking for some, some practice, you could say, that I could really do, that I, that I, and that I could really give myself to. And the minute I heard the chanting in India, boom, that was it. It was immediate. Yeah. And uh, from that moment to this, it's just been a constant flow of trying to recognize that awareness and, and, and stay with that inner uh, mantra, the inner name, and um, just try to keep remembering to remember, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, I, I have to share just a couple stories in my own life about the just the enormous impact of, of sound and mantra on my spiritual path. I mean, when I was in my early 20s, actually, I was at Indiana University. That's where I was studying music. And I was a totally wigged out, stressed out undergraduate um, trying to pursue a double degree. And I was diagnosed with acute hypertension. 
and went to the health sciences center and they diagnosed it as such and they said do this do this and then take these meds and i said i'm not going to take the meds and i remember reading something about tm and the benefits of tm and so i went to my first tm instructor and was given my mantra mm -hmm. and, and kd was it was really one of the colossal kind of breakthrough moments in my life because through the power of sound um I entered a uh, beginner's luck. I stumbled into this Samadhi state, first state of, of real um, spiritual experience. And it was a massive before and after experience. I mean, I, I had no idea such a refined state of heart mind was possible. And it, it absolutely catapulted me into like, I don't know quite what that is, but I want more of it. Yeah. Um, and my spiritual path was born that day. And, and sound was an absolutely integral component of it. Hmm. Um, and right. so I still, yeah, I'm still, you know, deeply involved. And, and the second one, second really life uh, transforming experience was when I was in my three year retreat and I was doing um, a devotional practice, which of course that's Kirtan is devotional practice, right? Kind of bhakti yoga, right? Mm -hmm. And so sure. I was doing the, the Buddhist version, guru yoga, and, and I was mm -hmm. reciting Milarepa's mantra. And mm -hmm. somewhat similar to the experience 25, 30 years previous, that just completely shattered my mind. Something took place that just completely opened me. And, and I think that maybe um, before we listen to your first offering, um, maybe we can talk a little bit about how to listen to Kirtan and, <laughs> and how it actually works upon one um, in terms of for me, the, the principal somatic effect is one of just profound openings. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, I uh, chanting and the other the the rebound of chanting, which is listening and hearing. Uh, you know, hearing is very big thing, and it was Milarepa who who you know put his hand up to his ear. Exactly. You know? And because the here the the eyes can close and everything, but the he, the ear is always hearing, and so sound is a really powerful vehicle for moving within. And um, so when when you chant, you know when you're actually doing the singing, you 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 you, you certainly don't try to manipulate yourself and have any particular you know type of experience. You simply repeat the sound and you listen. And then when the group responds, you listen. So there's a flow of, of awareness that you can ride, so to speak, and stay inside of as the whole thing is going on. And so that, that's basically it. You know, that's the, that's the ground level entrance. You know, you just pay attention. And because people like to sing and, and there's some melody involved, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it gives you more to, 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 to relate with, to hang on to, to stay present, you know. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that, I mean, you know, as you know, you're, you're a student of Tibetan Buddhism as well. There's, there are often these instructions and exhortations to, you know, look, look, look at your mind. I, I find it um, just is compelling if not more so to listen listen to mm. your mind because for me i i find kd that that you know using kind of the principles of figure ground i, I get too swept up in figures mm -hmm. in what's actually appearing 
And so when I, when I actually open and invite, you know, listen, listen to your mind, it's as if I'm, I'm, I'm switching and reversing things. Now the ground is allowed to come to the fore. Mm -hmm. and, and then yeah, from yeah. there, I realize, oh, my gosh, this is, in fact, where everything arises into which everything returns. And, you know, it's kind mm -hmm. of primordial sound of the mind. Um, which is, <clears throat> isn't that really what mantra is? Sound of reality, I, the sound of the mind? Exactly, yeah. It's the, the mantra is, uh, it is the sound form of what's beyond form. And... Uh, it's actually the form, you know, it's, it's sound is form, it's vibration. And uh, it, it is the form of the formless. And uh, the St. John of the Cross said that in the beginning, in the beginning the Father uttered one word. That word is his Son. And he utters him forever in everlasting silence. And it is in silence that the heart must hear. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. it reminds yeah. me of what Rumi said, you know, that uh, silence is the language of God, all else is poor translation. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. And for me, I, I love this, that sound is, is the fundamental expression, and therefore it, it, it's also the avenue to return. So it expresses that nature in one mm -hmm. direction, but you can, it's bi-directional. You can then use the sound to return you to that source. Is this yeah. homecoming? I guess it all comes down to intention, right? You know, what your aspiration is. Because, you know, if music and sound itself was enough, then every musician would be happy. <laughs> so right. we know that that's not true. So it has to be the intention to be present with it and to experience it uh, directly, it, or you might say whatever, some spiritual aspiration or recognition has to be there. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it just gets stuck in, in pleasant experience, which is uh, comes and goes. So you want to get past the coming and going or deeper than the coming and going. Yeah, absolutely. So, Let's listen. You you were very kind enough to respond and send me a, a couple um, absolutely magnificent <laughs> renderings of, of Kirtan. Do you want to uh -huh. say something um, about I don't, the first one? Um, which I'm one are you going to listen to first? We're going to do the one on love first. Um, uh, uh, not Ayana, for your love. Okay, well, yeah. uh, what can I say about that? Um, you know, I'm, I'm from Long Island, you know. <laughs> I grew up in the 60s, you know, and rock and roll was was my key to the universe at that point. And a lot of times, a lot of the chants will morph into a old rock and roll song, you know, that, uh, and that's what happened with this chant. I, the, I was just singing this one day. Where was it? Oh, you know Steve Tibbis, don't you? Oh, very well, dear friend. He would be great to talk about music because he's yeah. really... He's first. He's the greatest. But anyway, um, the reason I said that because we were in Minneapolis. I'll never forget at Soundcheck, and uh, uh, that's where Steve is from. So uh, I was just singing this. This chord progression came up, and I started singing the Narayana, Narayana, and then all of a sudden the Four Year Love came in for the old uh, Yardbird song. 
And so I just kept it there. I said, you showed up, you can stay, you know? That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. So KD, as, as we transition into listening to this first offering, maybe give us some instructions about the best ways to, to actually listen, attitudinal approaches to make this um, really a type of meditation practice. What kind of instructions can you give us? Well, it's very much like a shamatha practice, you know. It's, uh, you can approach it that way. You, you stay, you listen to the sound of the, the, the music and the, and the mantra in the music. And when you notice you're not paying attention, you come back again and again and again and again and again. The last thing you want to do is try to create some type of uh, emotional experience for yourself or manufacture some kind of feeling. You don't want to manipulate anything. You just simply want to be with the practice, pay attention, and if you know the, the words, you can repeat the words in your mind or out loud because it it, it's call and response. I mean, I sing a line and then there's a response. Or you just listen, immerse yourself in the flow of the sound, but pay attention. So when you notice you're wandering or have been gone, actually you're already back, which is interesting. And at that point, you simply come back to the sound again. Yeah. Again and again. Wonderful. Okay, Andy, let's listen to the, to the first one. If you can play that for us, that would be great. Ah. Uh -huh. 
I particularly enjoy the kind of diminution into utter silence. Yeah. I, I did forget to warn you, it's three years long. <laughs> it's worth it. It's a, it's a, a meditation and sound. Yeah. I haven't heard that for so long. I, I, I was actually very moved, very yeah, moved it, by it. And what is it? You know, I, I, I asked, so you're going to this question. We, we both know this amazing Tibetan master who is one of the um, regulars in terms of talking about subtle body. And when I asked him this question, I'd be very curious to see where this goes with you. I, I asked him, I said, Rinpoche, when, when we listen to music or mantra and whatnot, is it in fact, um, how does it work? Is it working with our subtle body? And he said, of course, of course. That's, that's really the, when you say you're moved, it's really your winds, your prana, nadi, the subtle system that's really good. Mm. So can, can you talk to us a little bit about <clears throat> The relationships, you know, sound is, is subtle form connected to subtle inner body. So I'm curious how you work with that either directly or indirectly, both in your composition and in your practice with sound. Uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, I, I hate to tell you this, Andrew, but you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> no I, don't, I don't have a clue. <laughs> I really don't have a clue. I, for me, first of all, uh, what it, the way I see it, I can only talk about my own version, my own what what I'm doing when I'm chanting huh? is that I am singing to the guru. Hmm. I am singing to that living presence within, and I am hopefully moving deeper into that presence with the chants. Mm. This whole Leela, Leela means play or drama, of, of me going around chanting with people, is the grace and blessings of my guru. Mm. And that is what people feel when I chant. By his grace, by his blessings, he, that's what comes through is his presence. And this is what moves people. Mm. Uh, mm. I, I, I don't know, I, I have no understanding of the subtle bodies. I don't work with energies. I don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. I just know I want to be in that presence as much as possible. Yeah. And that's where my whole life is trying to navigate deeper into that presence. And the chanting is the practice that was uh, my own karmas and blessing and the, his blessings offered to me to 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 you know to do and to accomplish that I hope. <laughs> and it's it was really I, I think appropriate with the, with a song on love for me, KD. It, it's you know the, just like you're saying the most powerful force in the universe really is the force of love and devotion is a way to access and harness that love for the purposes of transformation um so it's like this it's 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 re, it's reducing in the best sense of reducing returning one to this kind of primordial force field which is really the nature of love right yeah definitely yeah. i mean what what Minji Rinpoche discovered you know on his four you want about when he almost died you know the world is yeah. love yeah <clears throat> yeah 
And it's, you know, in that regard, um, the world me being made of love, the world being made of sound and light, right? I mean, mm -hmm. in the beginning was the word and the word was made flesh. And in Western um, approaches, we have cosmologically, we have the big bang, right? Things arose from a sound. We have in physics, we have string theory. Um, we have um, sound basically permeating and being the, the, the matrix in conjunction with light of the whole shebang. Yeah. So it's like it's returning you to that to that primordial bed, is it not? I, I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly hope so. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So what people often ask me, I, I get wonderful emails from professional musicians and orchestras around the world. And, and it's, I just, I love them. And they, and often they ask me, you know what, how can I make music my path? And so mm. now maybe I, I'd love to talk to you about that even outside of the, the Kirtan devotional matrix professional musicians and how how can in a professional musician make music their path i i truly don't know you know um i don't consider myself a musician at all hmm. uh, i'm a devotee of my guru that's hmm. that's how i see myself and everything that i do uh, at least to uh, the little ability that i have is to try to return home to that place but I would say one should could make the music the object of awareness, you know, or recognize that that the, the sounds that one is making uh, to be aware of of it and and to notice all the other motivations that they have about being you know sounding good. Uh, getting recognition, getting fame, getting money, paying the bills, yeah. attracting attention to oneself, etc., etc. All that stuff, their own motivations, all that stuff will come up when one starts to pay attention, naked attention to the sound that one is creating. Other than that, you know, I really don't know what to say because music pacify can really certainly pacify you and pacify the 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 craziness in the mind and and slow you down and calm you down but are you planting seeds of uh recognition or or, or realization with your practice or not yeah. and certainly not if you're not paying attention you're not pra planting those seeds I, I would say what do you think I think so, and you know, I've I've had the the great opportunity to to really I studied in one of the the better institutions of formal music education, and many of my colleagues are actually now international artists, conductors, and pianists, and I and I've stayed in contact with them, and I hope they're not listening to this because <laughs> they may not like the following statement. I think what you said, KD, that resonates with me connects to what you're talking about earlier about intentionality and motivation that that music is path really, it can be one like you were suggesting of, of self-aggrandizement, inflation, um, identity. And what you're talking more about is self, music is, is a path of self-transcendence and, and you could you say egoic deflation, yeah. you know, return to source. 
Yeah. On the other hand, you know, if they are listening, <laughs> that's great. There's no reason to change anything. All you want to do is add the aspirational awareness, right? You want to see it as practice now instead of all those other things, all those other reasons. You want to add that extra vector into what you're already doing. Mm. And once you do, that changes the whole quality of everything. Yeah. But that's, but it's complicated because, you know, one gets into these things uh, at an, a younger age for so many reasons, right? And then you just keep doing, 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 and you've created so much uh, habitual action that it's very hard to free oneself from that unless, like the man said, you recognize the suffering involved in it and the, uh, the lack of, 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 uh, of joy, of real joy, and, and, and um, of satisfaction, real satisfaction. Yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, hey, Dan, I'm, I'm always very interested, and these are, these are somewhat personal questions, and so if you don't want to go here, I'm totally okay with it, but... <clears throat> But in, in the process of creation, um, I don't know how to say this. Where where do you go when you create your music? <laughs> I don't. Not only don't I go anywhere, but I don't create it. Ah, it it yeah. it gets dropped on me by my yeah. uh, my my mentors. Everything, every chant that I've done, <clears throat> I truly can't remember sitting down to make a chant to, to create a chant i usually I'll, I'll notice i'll be driving around and i'll be singing something to myself and i'll say wait a minute what is that <laughs> where did that come from what is that and uh, i really maybe just once or twice sat down and said okay what's going on here i need a chant you know <laughs> yeah. i really i don't i that's why i i don't consider myself a musician in the way that you, you know, one would normally think is because I don't I don't have the chops I, I haven't put the time in in practicing an instrument uh, even vocal I haven't put the time in developing any techniques I, I'm just a, a, a schmuck on the path of love you know that's why that's all I am uh, and I'm happy with that, actually, to tell yeah. you the truth. Yeah, and, and I don't, it, it, it's even, I had this hesitation even after that first uh, Kirtan offering ended. It's like, um, I, honestly, I just wanted to bathe in that silence. But, you know, yeah. we're, we're here, we're talking, we're talking heads. And, and, and part of the challenge for me, Katie, is, is I, I mean, I do have these, these artist, artistic predispositions. But, you know, in my arena, um, I play, you know, when people ask me, I tell them I play dead white man's music. I play structured, classical, formal um, music, which, which I, I believe when I'm performing and, and when I think this art is first kind of um, transduced down into form, where, you know, it's a pretty elevated state, but then it can so quickly become contracted, constricted, and, and appropriated. So... Y yeah, well, just as you know, states come and go. Yeah. And uh, yeah. That, uh, that's why I said, you know, in case your friends are listening, it's okay. There's nothing more they have to do except pay attention, right? You know? Yeah. Uh -huh. And 
not judge and not try to cling to that feeling. You know, haven't you? I've found that musicians, real, you know, real, real, uh, you know, a real musician uh, has such easy access to those subtle spheres mm. that they tend to suffer terribly in life and in their relationships. Yeah. Because it's so easy for them to truly get away from this into those pl places of of uh, more subtle pleasure, and, uh, and and so they don't develop, they don't stay down here with the rest of us and develop the skills to talk to somebody honestly, to deal with their emotions and trauma and betrayals. It's just easier to go away. Yeah. And do you th do you think, Katie, that that's a that's a so-called near enemy? I mean, do you see that as 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 problematic, or just simply the life challenge of of the artist? I mean, well, I I, 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 it, I what's the difference? <laughs> I mean, we all have our challenges, whatever they are, and everybody has their own set of challenges. But I think it's. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, you know, it's 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 both because if an if a musician or an artist doesn't recognize that they're not present in those pleasure spheres in those subtle spheres, then they're not getting any uh, how to say it, spiritual benefit. To just put mm -hmm. it, you know, they're just they're, they're, it's like a drug. What's the difference? Yeah. They're, they're numbing themselves to this world or, or the issues here that are forcing them, that are drop-kicking them into the subtle planes. And that's never been enough for anybody. So, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't really think about these things that much. I, I wonder what a real, you know, like, like, like one of those... Uh, the Japanese painters or the Japanese calligraphers, you know, who are doing it theoretically, they're, they're, you know, in the moment, you know, when they're creating, they would probably have a lot more to say about it than me. Or the Tibetan artists who are, you know, transmitting a lineage in their art, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, you know, when I started playing music, I, I, I was locked into the blues, Delta blues, yeah. and because I needed to get away. Yeah. And when I, Mississippi John Hurt, Skip James, Robert Johnson, you know, and then later up up the Mississippi into Chicago, you know, that that was my that was where I lived for years because I just could not be here. It was too painful. Hmm. So, have you ever actually had someone come to you? Uh, in a and have a request like how how does one um, cultivate uh, this type of artistry? In other words, like a, a, a for lack of a better term, a kirtan academy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is there, um, is there in fact a way that one can be um, trained into this? I, there seems to be a, a great deal of of. Uh, I mean, serendipity may not be the right term, but just auspicious coincidence and, and natural just expression taking place here. But how how can one actually train, or can one in fact train, in in this type of art form? 
Well, I used to sing with the people in India. You know, whoever was chanting, I went there. I, I, I participated. I basically, I soaked it up. You know, and uh, I, I saw, you know, I experienced the call and response and how it's done and, you know, how it felt. And I, I just immersed myself in it. But I, I, I hate to keep coming back to this, but you have to understand um, but people come to me all the time and they say, I want to share my chanting with the world, right? Mm -hmm. And I say, uh, are you okay? Do you have a fever? Is there something wrong with you? <laughs> you know, what's wrong with you? Are you oh, sit down here, uh, take, drink some water, slow down. <laughs> and they say, how, how do you do it? I said, how the hell do I know? Huh. I started singing to save my ass. That's all I was doing. There were three huh. people there and that was enough. I don't know what you're talking about. I hadn't, this is no plan I had. Huh. This is, I didn't know what was going to happen. I had no plan. I, want, I just wanted to live. And chanting was the only way I could keep my nose above water. Yeah. The, the rest of me was submerged. Yeah. And if I stopped chanting, that was all over. Yeah. So, you know, I, I ha so I don't understand. This is not expression. Yeah. This is not artistic expression. This is fucking self-preservation. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I, I mean, I wish I could answer your question in a, in a different way, but I, I can't. It's not. No, I think I, I, no, I think it's fantastic, Katie, because what what it does is, I mean, for me, I have to say very personally, it's it's a magnificent mental yoga because uh, I'm a I'm a fusty kind of intellectual scholar type, and my I was trained in a pretty traditional. Um, classical music format. So, so much of my approach to mind, reality, and art has been pretty damn structured. I mean, that's just mm. that's just the way I've been rolling. And so, when when I listen to you and I talk to you, it on one level it 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 does two things. It throws me out of my comfort zone because it challenges my my tendencies to just pigeonhole and conceptualize and intellectualize everything. But even more deeply, it tickles the bejesus out of me, and it makes it makes me smile, <laughs> and it, it touches me, and it reaches into something that is just so much more primordial, and I suppose I could even say authentic if I if I approach approach that properly. Um, and so, to me, it begs beg the question that you that you had that you mentioned just most recently about what is in fact the relationship of kirtan to art. I mean, can you yeah. actually can you can you actually look at it in that way, or or is that in itself a kind of bastardization? I I, I don't even know what art is. <laughs> That's how dull I am. <laughs> you know, I don't I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. All I can tell you is that I'm I'm like a one trick pony. This is what <laughs> I do. You know, and when I like when I'm together with Bob Thurman, right? Yeah, right. I. He wants to go on and on and on about stuff. I'll just say some, so why don't we talk about, you know, he said, well, what do you want to talk about? I said, well, let's talk about like guru yoga. And then he'll like, right. he'll drop his mind and he just gets right into the, you know, the heart of the matter. And I, I said, why don't you lead a, 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 a meditation on guru yoga? And it was so extraordinary, Andrew. I can't yeah. tell you how oh. I almost left my body for good. It was so powerful. Um, and that's what I, I, you know, that's, and I do that because, number one, 
that's the only thing I could do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and... Uh, you know what comes to mind, Katie? It, 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 and again, as we're talking here, I, I'm, I'm having a kind of a sacred wrestling match with, with what I'm feeling and with what I'm thinking. And part, and part, of, <laughs> and part of what's happening is, is this, this thing that I've been playing with a lot lately is how, how much power there is to simplicity, to being a one-trick pony. And mm. that, that in a certain way, surrender is what in, is involved here. And that, and that, that I mean, really, I, I, I sometimes say this, um, complexity, the modern complex mind, doesn't stand a chance against simplicity. And, mm. and on one level, in order to really kind of, I mean, grok isn't even the right word. I'm actually struggling with words to shrink wrap these feelings. You, you just have to surrender. Um, and then, yeah. in fact, through that openness, through that quality of just expansion and, and release and giving, giving up, that then, in fact, uh, the, the so-called magic just, you know, it's a natural consequence of that, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, even with, with the chanting, when I made my very first CD, <clears throat> I've, I, I had all kinds of ideas in my head about what I wanted to do. And one thing, because I had been into, I had a record company and we were recording African music and world music, all, you know, and I really wanted to bring all those elements into the chanting. And I really had that in my mind. And now when I sing, <laughs> I don't have anything in my mind. Mm. You know, I really don't have any, I'm not trying to do anything. I'm not trying to make anything happen. I'm not trying to bring this or that. I'm singing, I'm playing with and singing with the same group of people I've been doing almost for 20 years. They all know their role. They know that it's all about the chant and everything they do musically is to allow, is to uh, ease people into the moment, allow entry into the moment. Nobody wants to shine too much. We're all part of, we want to kind of, you know, make an easy place for people to enter into the space. And uh, so, you know, it, I mean, what, you know, I, I'm not a kid anymore. You know, even when I started this, I was already old. You know, I didn't start chanting with people until I was 47 years old. With publicly, I mean, I've been chanting in India and chanting with friends here and there, but going out and with people who, you know, meeting people publicly and chanting, I didn't start until I was 47. So uh, there's some kind of ripening process that's been going on, you know, so it, and it's allowed me over the years to just be more actually more there when I'm more here when I'm chanting, you know, and. So. And so what, and again, please, I, sometimes I, I almost have to excuse myself for using the vocabulary that, that, that I am most familiar with, but what, when you were talking about, you know, your, your group, and again, when I was at Kripalo, I, mean, I was just blown away with your so-called backup or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it, yeah. was just, it was so, I mean, really, it was just overwhelming to me. Was what? David there? The guitar player? David yeah, Nectar? yeah. You know David? You know David, don't you? I don't know him personally, no. Lifetime student of Shrunk Play Rinpoche, you know? He's a Shambhala guy, you know. What's his last name? 
Oh, absolutely. Now he's teaching with Larry Mermelstein. Remind me his last name? Nick Turn. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, David and Ethan of New York fame. Oh, yeah. Ethan's father, yeah. 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 Oh, totally. Yeah. But anyway, um, where I was going to go with this, KD, is the role of improv in this um because obviously you're i mean again i don't know this is the question there there seems to be just this wonderful almost channeling spontaneity but again when you're in a recording studio and you're with your peeps and you're actually cutting a a, a thing there there has to be some level it seems maybe my limitation of understanding is the structure so what does improv does that word even have a place it's all improv i mean there's no i don't tell anybody what to play when i'm when we're recording either you know uh i trust these people to to at least when they're playing with me to be dedicated to what we're trying to do which is trying to chant and and create an uh 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 an entranceway into the chant for people. So they all understand that, and they're all very much more talented than I am. They're all overqualified for the job, believe me. Mm. And I just sing, and they have to, they follow me. <laughs> That's it, you know, and I don't know what I'm going to, most of the time I don't really know what I'm going to do. Really? I have an idea, you know, and they're right there. Wow. And um, wow. if they're not, there's always Pro Tools. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and again, what what a fantastic juxtaposition of of shamatha and vipassana in classic language, right? You know, I mean, you're dealing with your thing as an instrumentalist, but the only way you can really make the music is if you open up and are just kind of mind melding with the with those that are around you, right? Yeah, 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 and the, the recording process has become much more comfortable for me over the years. Uh, and much more enjoyable, and um, <clears throat> blessed to have everybody involved. Knows, you know, is, is vibrationally right there, you know, right, right with it. But uh, yeah, the funny story about the the chant that we, you just heard. Uh, <clears throat> so one of the CDs that I record, recorded was nominated for a Grammy, and the guy who you know there were two grammy shows there's one in the afternoon for the blues folk music new age music uh gospel jazz all that stuff and then there's the nighttime one for pop music right so there the guy who was producing the um the afternoon one which is where my cd was up for uh nomination uh his wife was a yoga teacher and so he knew about me so he asked me to come I got invited to sing at the Grammys cool so so we uh, they asked us to write out the music so David Nick Turn uh, wrote out the charts and we sent them in and there was a band that was supposed to back us up and it was so funny they put us on a on a on a a a movable platform and we opened the show. They rolled us out on this platform. You know, we're all sitting down cross-legged 
with our instruments and everything. And they, they rolled us out. And I looked out into the audience. And Pat Metheny, oh, wow. Chick Corea, Herbie yeah. Hancock. Yeah. These are the guys... And I looked at my, I said to myself, Krishnas, you're going to squeeze this little squeeze box in front of these people? You know? And I could not believe I was going to do it. But then once I start, then I'm finished. So, uh, but it was so funny. I, it was such a funny moment. I can't, you know, it, it was so great. <laughs> that's, a ter- that's a terrific story. So, hey, are you cool? I, I want to share as an offering, and I don't do this very often. I, I, I'm very reserved about my own music I, I hardly ever perform and if i do it's just intimate soirees but uh-huh. in the spirit of offering i, I want to share my form of music or at least what was my main track with it with a short little rock on and off prelude are you cool with that okay sure i'd love to hear it andy can you fire that up for us
not quite the same as the real power of Bach or Beethoven or my desert island composers, but... Uh, wow, that was amazing. Really beautiful, extraordinary. Yeah. Rachmaninoff was such a, a consummate romantic, romantic artist, you know, so, uh -huh. like you were talking earlier, you know, so you look at him, such a, a life of tragedy and pain and hardship, and yet he could just transmit, you know, Sambhogakaya, right? I mean, just the yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Intentions and, and, and beautiful. So, do you listen? What? what? Hey, listen, if you need a job as a harmonium player, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't only have to use one hand. It's okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I love the harmonium, actually. I, you know, I, Richard Freeman's down the road, and I used, used to go to his yoga studio. You know, and he would often do some. Some harmonium thing, and as, as Alan Ginsberg, um, when I when I knew him, he'd come around and do his harmonium. Who is that? Alan Ginsberg. Oh, Alan, sure, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, do you, if you don't mind, what, what other kinds of music do you listen to? I mean, do you listen to Herbie Hancock or Chikoria or rock and roll or classical music or? <clears throat> I mean, what? Boy, what do I listen to? Um, well, I listen to. <laughs> uh, have you ever heard the CD "The Lama's Chant"? I have not, no. Oh, my God. You have to hear that. I'll, I'll get it. The Lama's Chant. Yeah, it's Lama Girme, G-Y-U-R-M-E. Yeah. yeah, I know. And he he lives in, Par in Paris. He teaches. Uh, he was a disciple of Kalu Rinpoche. Oh, wonderful. Uh, he's got a couple of three CDs. The first one is called The Lama's Chant. And he's accompanied by a French uh, composer who created... Uh, synthesize uh, like an orchestra behind him is so extraordinary. Wow. It's I, I, I must have listened to that a million times in wow. the last 15, 20 years. Wow. You know that and 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 Ray Charles and yeah. Steely Dan and Van Morrison and yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hank Hank Williams a lot of a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't really. I don't listen to a lot of music. I really, uh, when I'm not engaged, I, I like silence. I don't know how to, yeah. but I love, I mean, I love music, uh, blues, and I listen to all that, but. And so, Katie, is, is your relationship to all forms of music uh, the same? I mean, kind of, you know, just, does it all turn into, uh, again, words words fail me here. Meditation for you, or practice for you, or what? What is your attitude around, or your approach to to the different forms of music that you do listen to, including your own? Do you do you come back and actually listen to your own, or is that just um, no? When I when I heard that, what we played before, I I don't think I've ever listened to that recording since it was recorded. Oh no kidding! Oh wow! So, I I, I have to tell you, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, I thought, boy, we got that right, didn't yeah. we? And D David produced those that CD, actually, David oh, Nickturn. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that's just that's just so cool. <laughs> well, we, we have to, we got to listen to the other one, man, because I I okay. love that one just as much. Are you up for it? I mean, let, yeah, but let me let me tell you one thing. Oh, yeah. So at the at the very beginning, you'll hear some an Indian guy chanting. Yeah, that's my teacher, Mr. Tuari, who was like my Indian father doing Shiva Puja, 
up in the mountains at a very ancient Shiva temple up in the, up in the Himalayas. And uh, it's just uh, maybe it's 15, 20 seconds at the most, I think, or less, just at the beginning. And I feel this was actually my second CD called Pilgrim Heart. And mm -hmm. it was the first one I felt re much more involved in. And I felt like this is really my first CD. Oh. So, and it was right after he died, He shortly after he died. And the, the chant itself, Namashivaya, I really feel he dropped that on me, you know, from wherever he was. That was, it was a gift from him. And, uh, and so I put him at the very beginning of the chant. So then you'll, you'll hear it. But you'll also hear some of my stupid aspiration in the middle. I think there's a guitar solo. So, you know, oh. what, what can I tell you? You know, I'll, I'll pay for that, I'm sure, at some point. <laughs> oh, man, you're killing me. That's awesome. So, Andy, if, if you can um, clue that one up, cue that one up for us, that would be awesome.
kind of speechless here my friend <laughs> what's that you're leaving me a little bit speechless here which which for all all the people listening are going to be well that's a first andrew <laughs> <So> <laughs> thank you for defeating <laughs> for just, there there's a there there's just a marvelous quality of disarmament um taking place from my end right because i you know i had I had these really esoteric questions about the nature of reality and sound <laughs> and, and all these sonocytology and all. And it's like, fuck it. You know, it's just like part of me just wants to give up and, and just sit back and uh, um, chant, man. So, um, <laughs> yeah, what can yeah. I say? The power of yeah. devotion. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh... It's just a, it, it, it's, it's a flow of blessing, yeah. you know, and um, it's really a, a great gift to, to all of us, you know. Yeah, and the, mo the most important 
the most important flow, isn't it? The most important flow. Um, I gave a, a little program for some Koreans this weekend, uh, KD, we're talking about Mahamudra and how someone who know you know that lives clear near you or did live near you, uh, Kempo Kartar Renveche, you know, Kempo, yeah, yeah, you know, what a marvelous man he, yeah, he would actually talk about Mahamudra as Mugu Chagya Champo, which, which is devotion Mahamudra, mm. devotion Mahamudra, where. It, as he put it, it is devotion that matures into the realization. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what was I reading today? Someone was, uh, Ringo Tukul was talking uh, about devotion as clear, a clear emotion. Uh, yeah. Whereas when it arises, it, there's no thought. It, it, it's, it's a clear, uh, you know, there's no there's no mental activity at that time. It's just the, that, like you said before, that surrender into that place. Yeah. So does the outside of, or in conjunction with your music, does mantra recitation have a, a so-called formal place in your on your practice path? Does it have a what kind of place? A, a so-called formal place in your practice path? I mean, do you do like, deity yoga recitations and, and that sort of thing yeah yeah i have those practices i do from you know at home my, uh every day uh and uh but it's not as organized as as uh, <laughs> you know maharaji he didn't he didn't teach he didn't write books he didn't lecture you know and he used to say jiao go away is my mantra uh, uh, <laughs> so you know it, it's very it, it, it's about really surrendering to that love and, and really entering deeply into that love and all the the practices are they're not done in the sense of accumulating yeah. repetitions or anything like that not that you know um <clears throat> Oh boy, if I could only remember this quote exactly. Uh, Lama John, do you know Lama John from upstate New York? Mm -hmm. uh, he's a, he's close with, uh, oh God, I, I'm so bad with names. But anyway, he was talking to Nyosho Ken Rinpoche. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Who I, I spent time, he used to call me Lama Hanuman. <laughs> ah, like, no, he used to. That's awesome. Yeah. He was a great yeah. master. Fantastic. Oh, yes, I know. He was Surya Das's guru. You know. That's right, exactly. And Surya was with Maharaji before that. You know that. Yeah. Was, so he said, Rinpoche, do we really have to do all these mantras? You know, what is the, what's it all about? All these millions of repetitions. And, and Nosho Kanch Rinpoche says something like, the wind of the mantras uh, reveals blows away the obscurations and reveals the shining of Rigpa uh -huh. or the, 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 you know, something like that. That's beautiful. It was a beautiful line, really beautiful yeah, line. The wind of the mantras, oh wow. Yeah. yeah. yeah wisdom wind, wisdom wind, because most, most winds are karmic winds, right? So yeah, I think I'm in the wind and the channels is, you know, exactly. something like that. I, I don't really understand all that stuff. Yeah, the winter thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if I, if, 
if uh, someone was to ask me like what my irreducible instruction really if, if i was on my deathbed and, and and someone was to say what what is your quintessential instruction it, it would be one one pointed devotion one pointed devotion yeah yeah i mean that's 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 what gets the job done so um kd this has just been really special i i yeah i warned you <laughs> I, could, I could hang out here. I could hang out here in silence, but <laughs> really, yeah. your dear dear friend. I mean, your 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 art, your 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 music has has touched me deeply for years, and, and the opportunity to riff with you a little bit on some of the stuff. Just ah, great, wonderful. Thank you. I've enjoyed. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a total delight, and and may our pass cross again in this realm and and uh, the realm of uh, of sound and music and. Uh, and you know, continue to radiate your grace and blessings across the world the way you do. It's a marvelous gift. We're the best. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. Well, that's it for today. Thanks everybody for joining us, and a really warm-hearted thanks to Krishna Das for sharing his remarkable good heart. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out all the other offerings on my club. See you next time, and until then, pleasant dreams.